Part Four, Chapter Five of Life and Lillian Gish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Life and Lillian Gish by Albert Bigelow Payne. Part Four, Chapter Five. Uncle Vanya takes the road uncle vanya reopened september twenty second at the booth theatre with the original company except for the part of sonya which was played by zita johan that miss johan is a successful actress has been sufficiently demonstrated yet one could hardly fail to resent any change in the perfect vanya cast it did something to the illusion the scenes between helena and sonya were still lovely only sonya wasn't quite sonya any more but just someone playing her part pretending lillian was all that she had been my knowing her had not made her any less the illusion chekhov's helena it was a warm night but the audience was good and appreciative when i saw her next day she reproached me for not letting her know i was there a week later i went again and this time sent in a card specifying my seat during the next intermission a boy brought a little note i am playing for you she wrote i hope you will think i'm not doing it too badly and her kind heart prompted her to add god bless you and after two weeks they were off for boston where they arrived at perhaps the worst moment in boston theatrical history a great military reunion was there the streets were a bedlam all day and far into the night not many could get to the theatre the wilbur and those who could were unable to hear the actors for the tumult outside what an atmosphere for chekhov lillian wrote me it was such a nervous night the theatre seemed like a barn to speak in and the noises from the sky and the streets made us all wonder if the audience would tell what we were trying to do there are five hundred thousand strangers in boston all of them shouting blowing whistles shooting or making some sound to convince the world that they are happy it is almost impossible to walk on the streets and today no motors are allowed within the city limits concentration is difficult just now they are shooting beneath my window yesterday sonya came over to rehearse our scenes we found it impossible americans are at their very worst in such a mood it seems to me these are the notices that georgina cut from the papers if they are bad it is not surprising as we were far from our best last night she did not read notices of herself during an engagement they made her self-conscious she said the boston notices were by no means bad they spoke of the hard conditions under which the play was produced the paid-for empty seats the perfect cast selected for chekhov's picture of human futility a delicately beautiful dramatic tapestry the globe called it its colors subdued and blended as only master craftsmen can blend the company is superb and the acting well nigh perfect and the transcript with a full-length three-column picture of her paid a just tribute to the play and its production 
Lillian's part it spoke of as elusive, wraith-like, symbol of the unattainable. At the end, like a spirit of a passing dream, she drifts away to leave them to their old problems and their solitude. But for a week the attendance was very bad. Then the visiting military was gone and the house filled. It would have been filled for a month longer if they could have stayed, but Chicago was waiting. Lillian was always reading some book on the road. This time she was re-reading Wuthering Heights. What a beautiful piece of work is Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. It sweeps across the page, like the winds on the moor that she knew so well, from fury to tenderness, with such understanding. How many lives had she lived before to know so much? She firmly believed in mental and spiritual growth through reincarnation. She was convinced that she had lived before, that now and again she caught glimpses of a former life. Personally, I was by no means sure that mere human beings had known a previous existence, but I was certain that Lillian had. Not a previous existence, but the same existence of which the present gave hardly more than a glimpse. Chicago welcomed her with open arms. She had always been a favorite there, she wrote, they keep me moving as fast as a machine gun in this kind, friendly Chicago. But I shall be so happy when I'm by the East River, once more talking in the little den. As for the papers, they could not say enough good things about Uncle Vanya, of Lillian, of the entire company. The Post gave a column of appreciation. It had a large picture of Lillian, and in part said of her, if an embodiment were needed of our Siberian spirit from the steppes, stalking from east to west, we'd say, cast Miss Gish for the part. Only make the spirit glide across the stage, as does Miss Gish at her first entrance. Uncle Vanya, as presented, may not be Chekhov, but it is superbly Lillian Gish, and this reviewer, for one, prefers Lillian Gish to Chekhov. The news spoke of her initial entrance, not only as a perfect entrance for an actress to make out of the half-dream world of filmdom into the world of flesh and blood, but the whole of Chekhov's drama in a fifteen-second gesture. Twenty-two years before, Lillian had last played Chicago, in a theater where one's dressing-room was in a flooded basement and one had to wear a long skirt and high heels to avoid the jerry officers now the jerry officers did not mind any more the harris theatre was beautiful and well appointed one's dressing-room had the fittings required by a modern star and there were flowers in it and a little heap of notes and cards invitations and requests for interviews there had been no interviews twenty-two years ago and if the critics noticed her at all, it had been obscurely and briefly, a line in some half-hidden corner. Now her picture looked out from every dramatic page, while at the Goodman Theatre, in the foyer, along with those of Mrs. Siddons and John Campbell, hung the Romola portrait which Nikolai Fetchin had painted, the only portrait of a living actress so honored. 
lillian had known that following its exhibition in new york the portrait had been bought for the chicago art institute but did not know before that it had been hung in the goodman theatre now she was obliged to go and stand beside it and be photographed with a bevy of girls and the papers published that too and here in one paragraph we have a romance as complete as any to be found in the story-books it was on november third that uncle vanya reached pittsburgh a damp and heavy season of gloom some one dropped my heart into the pit of a coal mine wrote lillian i want so to find it so i can dust it off before i reach new york to brighten her stay and to get material for our work she brought aunt emily down from massillon not very far distant pittsburgh was hardly a vanya city but the newspapers were kind to the play and to the company perhaps it was not strange but only seemed so that uncle vanya had its best houses in newark which had been substituted for philadelphia i am told there are a good many russians there it may be that chekhovians and other cultured ones abound at all events they did love vanya there and said so and i shall always hold them in affection for the sake of jed harris and his perfect company and especially for the sake of chekhov whom a good many people regard lightly or do not regard at all the ingrowing life of a russian farmhouse the tragedy of a cherry orchard are meaningless to them or only amusing it was amusing to chekhov too who laughed a little that he might not weep too much lillian was at home again during the newark engagement going across the river each evening and matinee afternoon unpretentiously by bus with tiresome changes she might have gone as befitted a great star but she preferred to go modestly and as she thought more suitably and then presently vanya was being given in new york again this time briefly at the biltmore i saw it twice there and the charm of it did not wane but grew upon me exactly as the charm of the play itself when read quietly on a winter afternoon it is my conviction that such another company to play uncle vanya is not likely to be assembled the vanya engagement ended at the biltmore on the evening of november twenty ninth nineteen thirty following the matinee lillian had the company to her apartment for dinner she was as pleased as a child with the prospect of having them and the arrangements a friend had sent in some very good italian homemade claret there was a big turkey and the tables were arranged in a tea in the living room at beekman terrace owing to the evening performance the guests could not remain more than an hour but it was an hour to remember kate mayhew beamed on her younger companions and when that night at the theatre griffith came behind the scenes and greeted her with a rousing kiss she declared later to lillian that it was the happiest day of her life dinner with you and kissed by mr griffith what more could any one ask lillian had not seen griffith for some time 
it was a surprise therefore when he came behind at the end of the performance it was something more than eighteen years since the day she had come to find gladys smith at the biograph theatre and had first seen him a tall man walking up and down humming she'll never bring them in what a story of endeavour those eighteen years had told i have given many pages to it but among the vanya notices i find this unidentified bit which reflects the spirit of it all lillian gish who has ever held high the torch of beauty during her entire career as stage and screen star and with undeviating purpose has been representative of the finest and best traditions of the theatre as another triumph to her list of admirable achievements as the ethereal and wistful helena she is all the author could have hoped for something more intangible she gives to the role than her delicate loveliness her undeniable charm and the richness of her experience as a sincere and gifted actress End of part four chapter five recording by john brandon